What's up, guys? Back with the RMR Podcast. This is episode 13. I am Mitch Pfeiffer. Yo, what's good? Jay Ping. Checking in. Checking in. Joey's been gone the last episode or two. I've been holding it down. We've had a, some really dope guests the last couple episodes. Today is no different. Um, man, legend. But first legend. of all, but before, we get into that, before, we get, before we get into that for just a second, you know what I mean? Which, you know, we always talk about what, what you're smoking on this week, man. What, what, you've been, what you've been blowing on, Joe? All right, so this week I've been smoking on weed that I grew. We grew runts and some gelato through the winter, and it was super terpy and not the best-looking weed in the world, but definitely super terpy. And so today and this last few days we've been smoking on the runts that we grew, and the homies are actually outside pressing some of it right now using the Nug Smasher. Okay. And that's what I'm rolling up. I have some Nug Diamonds, and I just infused this joint with some Nug Diamonds. So, so you're rolling with the same the same flavor in the rosin that you got in the in the flower. It, this is a a berry sorbet live resin diamonds with a runts flower that we grew. So and for our non California audience, for people up in Washington like myself, home grow is legal in yeah. California. What is it? Six plants per adult? Six plants per residence, not per adult. And which means that depending on your living situation, like for example here in our address, we got three residences on one address. So it's a unique situation for that because we've got the agreement with the neighbor to do 12 plants between the two of us. So there you go. So that's, that's up here in Washington. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people grow, but it is um, not legal to home grow. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. Which is a sin. So, so runs with Nug Live Resin. I've been eating these gummies every day for two weeks. These gummies, I, I purchased two packs of these, and these are my favorite gummy right now. The Kiva Live Resin Gummies, Super Lemon Haze, 10 milligrams of gummy. Let me show you. I'm going to eat it here live on camera because I love it so much. It is so delicious. It's it's sour. It makes you tart. It's just wonderful. So, all right. All right. Best yeah, gummy in the state right now, Super Lemon Haze. A close second is the Blue Dream version of this, just okay. so you know. Let them yeah. know. Let them, let them know. I've been, uh, man. I've been smoking on what was I smoking? I smoked on some Redbird this week. Um, smoked on some stuff from Zaz, and then I was uh, up with the homie uh, Banco Media, and uh, and uh, man, he had the Lucky Lose like Freshman from Mingle. Freshman, well, that shit was heat, man. I know you were. I was telling him you were talking about the other day how the mint the mint strains are played out, um, which I kind of agree, but this was like a Bro, I don't know what exactly the cross of it was, but it, that shit was excellent. Um, I mixed it with I love man. I love the flavor strength, just pierced through. It was it was it was some it was some magnificent. I gotta go find where I can get that myself. Um, but you know, in other news, right? COVID restrictions are dropping. The world is opening mm -hmm. back up. We're seeing movies starting to come out. Um, you know, back in the theaters, AMC stocks going crazy. Um, AMC stocks making people millionaires today. Yeah, bro. People, people are hitting that seven x, eight x. But I mean, shows are coming back. Stuff's excited. Um, you know, the world's opening back up. Um, but you know, with that being said, man, we we do have, like we said, we have a special guest today. 
We got a West Coast uh, legend. legend. So I'm gonna, with that said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring him in and, and introduce the man himself. Uh, the one alone, man. What's going on, glasses? What's happening, man? Just finna check out this Clipper game versus the Mavs, man. What's happening? What's happening? Is Luca giving him the business, or is he getting the business right now? Get the business for sure. <laughs> he was looking real sensitive after the last the last performance or so, man. It was it's been real. Mm, it's a coming of age thing right now for him. Well, I mean, I think it's just gonna get tougher and tougher in, in that series. Um, I think the coach was making a lot of rotation changes. He didn't want to make the two best offensive player have the sole responsibility. So I don't think they'll win another game. It's gonna be bad. Mm. <laughs> That's the prediction. Yeah. You got, Ka- I mean, you got Kawhi in there. Kawhi knows what to do on both ends of the floor, and he's battle tested for that holding up that trophy, man. So he, he's a different kind of beast. Yeah. Luka, like you said, Joe, he's 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 young in the game, amazing player, but he's young in the game. Yeah, he got some work. He got time. So, man, with with that being said, you know, you're a hip hop artist. You've been on the West Coast scene for a, a while, broken into the mainstream with some hits. Um, been been there, done it, uh, worked with, uh, I mean, you're, the resume of artists you've worked with is pretty remarkable, man. But for, for the listeners out there who might not be as aware of yourself, how do, how do you introduce yourself? What, what's the Glasses Malone, like, two-minute elevator or, or less, two-sentence elevator pitch of how you describe yourself? Um, just some authentic thug from the corner, man. That's it. I just make it look a little easier than it is. Most people respect it. <laughs> I fuck with that man. So how how did you get your start in hip hop? You know, uh, were you were you with hip hop at an early age? Is it something you found later in life? Yeah. Uh, what what's your journey of getting into the craft of just even before like getting on and getting accolades and stuff? What when did you first discover kind of the craft? Probably twenty one years old. Um, it was just something I did with my people, just joking and playing. Um, kind of battle rapping, just having fun, nothing serious in the backyard. And my younger brother came home. He was in trouble. He was in YA at the time. And he came home wanting to rap. He wanted me to rap with him. I think he was setting me up because he wanted me to play for a studio time. At that time, I was hustling. So I was having some money. And I thought he wanted me just to pay for the studio time. But he acted like he wanted to rap with me. And um, I kind of picked it up then and just got... You know, I fell in love with it. Like, I, I, well, I, I wouldn't say I fell in love with it initially. It became real therapeutic. I became addicted to it, and I kept doing it. So that's really how it started all together. Mm. And so at what point, how long did it take for you to fall, like, to get that point where you're like, man, I'm really in love with this. I'm trying to go hard with this. Um, or was it just something that you were kind of doing on the side and just just stumbled your way into in, into it a little bit deeper? I probably didn't fall in love with it till 2012. So okay. I had already had a record deal, um, already had some some hit records, some regional hits, some success. But um, the more I learned about it, um, I just really, really fell in love with it. It got really good to me. Um, and then it became something I couldn't live without. But it happened much later, much later. I was already in it full force. Yeah, and I, I I was watching uh, I watched your 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 interview when you were on the Breakfast Club the last I think the last time it was like a year ago or a year and a half ago, um, and I I was 
one of the parts that has stuck up, there's a few things I'll probably reference in this conversation, but one of the things on the conversation we're talking about now that, that stuck out to me was you were talking about on your first, it might've been your first two label situations or your first one, at least you said that you like, you just weren't picking up like how to get a hit record, how to like work the industry. Um, and so does that, is that kind of like around the time you fell in love with it? Did you start being like, oh, I really want to understand this game at a deeper level um, with song structures and the business side or, or, or did you get that buzz and then kind of come to that realization? I got a little bit further to go. Um, really what happened was, um, so around 2011 and 12, like, um, I mean, I was making a great living. I was able to take care of myself. You know what I mean? Everything was good. But so, some of my homies that was coming home from prison at that time, you know, because like my whole run in the streets was probably late nineties all the way to the mid 2000s. So all your friends go to jail and they all going to jail for five, 10, 15 years. And when friends was coming on from jail, I wasn't made like, I didn't have enough money to create, you know, careers for them. Mm. Like I was straight, but I, I didn't make enough money to create careers for them. You know, I couldn't give them $70,000 a year. That became like the starting point of something's wrong. You know what I mean, I'm in the business with millions upon billions of dollars and I'm not, you know, collecting a, a large enough pie to make sure that, you know, my friends and my family could take advantage of the same situation. And that became the start. But when I start really getting into records, I mean, I got to thank my DJ, DJ Head, who was a DJ at The Real, 92.3 in LA. Um, he started explaining to me tempo. He was trying to explain records to me. And a couple times he kept going over and over. And I didn't figure it out the first or the second time, but the third time I figured it out what he was saying. So I thank God he never gave up on me. So really I started mm. falling in love. I realized something was wrong, you know what I mean? But that didn't make me fall in love. The more I started learning about records, um, the science of it, and you know, it, at first it became something I thought you just had to naturally be gifted at. You know what I'm saying? You had to just be, yeah. I thought people was making all this shit up out they, you know, head. They was just coming up with this. I didn't realize it's kind of it's kind of shunned if you aren't almost. You know what I mean? It's kind of talked down upon if you can't do that at a high level. Well, what's funny is it's so that's so far from the truth. And you start realizing that it's not just art to hip hop or records, it's a science to it as well. And that's when I start falling in love. I'm a math science person anyway. I love, I naturally love math and science. So once I start realizing science was, you know, the time in business and 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 you know, records or hip hop, you know what I mean, or marketing, I immediately just start falling in love with it. And shit, now it ain't, you know, it ain't no separate me from it. Even if I go to the studio for four hours, I gotta be in there. I gotta touch something. I gotta hear something. I gotta feel something. Mm. So what what kind of what kind of music moves you the most? Cause you got like if I look back at like, you know, a lot of your catalog, it goes a little, you know, diverse. You got some just hardcore, like West Coast gangster rap, you know, stuff that fits kind of in that box. You got, you know, your hits, your more radio type hits. And then, you know, I think you really carved your niche out storytelling, which you which doesn't necessarily have a genre, right? You can storytell over any any style of genre. What's kind of the one that's like, um, what's your favorite to make? And then which ones end up being kind of the nearest and dearest to your heart? So that's tricky. Um... I think naturally I'm a storyteller. That's like, naturally, that's just what I do. I mean, it's what I've been doing since I was a kid. I, 
I used to write stories for people and sell them to them in the fourth grade, you know, about video game characters. So writing stories is just kind of what I do naturally. Um, as far as the style of record, it ain't really one style. You know what I mean? I'm really focused on mastering the West Coast style more than mm -hmm. anything. You know what I mean? Just delivering that. You know, right now, delivering the vintage feel of it. And then on future projects coming up, delivering what I think it should sound like tomorrow. But mm. it's, you know, initially it was rooted in funk and it's developing and it's changing every day. So it's no real place to say, you know, the style. It's really just something you do. Like it's back to the essence of real hip hop where it's just, yeah. you know, you taking, you know, you taking the music that you grew up with or that's from your region and turning it into special things for everybody else. So it's tricky like that. I really, I think storytelling is my natural thing, but I've had my most, I hate the club. I'm not a club person at all, but my biggest record is a party record, which is that good with Todd. So mm -hmm. that was when I first started understanding records. So, you know what I mean? That's my greatest record. So um, I think it just started coming out. You know, you figured out. Tupac Must Die became probably top three for me. You know, and it's a story, it's completely different. So I think long as I tap into the essence of gangster rap or excuse me, or West Coast hip hop and just going to the origin six in the morning and boys in the hood and I start from there, every time I'm building out, I'll be just fine. It'll be a good yeah. record. That's an, that's an inspiring starting point for anybody. Yeah, you got it. And, and I've been sharing that with different MCs that's coming up and guys that's making records. I'm like, you know, Whatever style of record you're trying to make, start from the beginning of that. You know I mean, don't start. It's like coming into the NBA and you're trying to be like Bradley Beal is who you aspire to be. And it's like there's all kind of better shooting guards in the NBA. You know, what I mean, but you're looking at, you know, uh, um, somebody that's maybe not making an all star game or not making an all NBA team. So I like to go back to the essence, you know, going back to Ice-T, going back to the Easy e song. Going back to fuck the police, and if I'm making a festive party song, I like to go back to um, Wild Thing by Tone Lope. You know, that's like '89 or you know '90 with DJ Quick tonight. You know, what I mean, I start right there. Even if I'm you know working on something that's more modern, I start back there. And so that's like with with that with the newer record you got pumping right now, the six in the morning, like the the is that is that a take? Do you classify that as a G mix or do you just classify that as just kind of a new record? Um, it's really a new record. I call it a G mix because yeah. I knew one existed and I knew what I built it from. But to everybody else, it's a brand new record. So I'm kind of stuck. Okay, I'm just being honest. That's 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 why I was curious if you if you approached that was were you originally approaching that as like just a G mix and then kind of envisioned it as a little bit bigger or was that just like that just what you were talking about like I want to create a new record that's a derivative of where this comes no from. no no so it's it's nothing I mean it's not anywhere as brilliant as the you know the the Ice T's original joint from '86 you know what I'm saying it's nowhere near as brilliant as that but what it is is it's a celebration of where we came from to where we are today. You know mm. what I mean? It's like, um, it just happened to have the same title because it very much is still a celebration of, of, of West Coast. Um, yeah. When I started, when we built that one, I think it's more or less, that's back somewhere near tonight. Maybe wild things okay. like to there, but 
I felt like, you know, bringing Ice-T into that fold was important. You know, having Ice-T on the song was special. It's 40 years later, you know what I mean? And, and you know, OG still got it. It ain't nothing. Yeah, he don't. He doesn't do a lot of verses, man. He no, he doesn't. He doesn't bless a lot of verses. Yeah, he told me that he said, he said on a song, you know. So I'm grateful. Yeah, that's so. So that's like when I when I first when I personally first discovered your music was off of some of the G mixes. I think with the the Greg Street mixtape. Oh yeah. Because uh, I remember I was crazy. Like literally, we we started like our platform started as a clothing line, like when we were in college back in the day, and so we were throwing parties. And then also I worked like as a job at a bar. And so at the parties we threw, I got to spend whatever the fuck I yeah. wanted, you know? At the bar, I kind of had to stay in a role. So I'm pretty sure I was spending like, you know, the sun come up and join with T-Pain sure, sure. at the bar. But then at our parties, I was spending the uh, the Asher Roth G-Mix. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. uh, I, I, I love hustling, I love dollars, yeah. I'm bad with titles. Yeah. Um, and then the, the Keeping 1000, the, yeah. the explosive remix. Yeah. Uh, so right, right at that time, I still didn't really have a good clue. You know, I just had what I had. You know, it's like being on the court. You don't really have the technical ability, but you just know how to hoop. Mm -hmm. So I could rap. You know what yeah. I mean? And I had been through so much. Yeah. And it was all real. You know what I mean? It was based off of real things happening. So it, it um, those were good times. Though I, I really liked those times. I really liked that project with Greg Street, you know, um, that was a fun time. And the same thing with uh any anytime I get on um mixtapes, you know what I'm saying? Anytime I get on mixtapes or do other people records, you know, I'm 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 definitely competitive in hip hop like that. So it works out for me. Mm -hmm. I miss that I missed that era in the last like 10 years or two. That I mean the competitiveness is still there by all means, but it's more like competitive over shit that don't matter a lot of times. The list, the blogs, whatever it is. We would we want those mixtape days where it felt like, you know, it was teams going against each other, all these songs and all these different beats. And it was like, what beats were they picking? How were you curating it? You know, yeah. it was really such an experience. Mixtapes back then were albums in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. So it was such a wild time. And that, again, like my whole goal with, with a lot of the stuff moving forward is just going back, backwards. I mean, I feel like the best record makers, the best artists go backwards and then they bring it forwards. So my goal is constantly to go back, you know what I mean? Find what am I doing and where did it happen before? It may don't sound like mm -hmm. this, but it feels like this. You know what I'm saying? So I go mm -hmm. back to where it feel like it and then I build from there. But I feel like if you include, you know, it's like having foundations to a super strong structural building, you know what I'm saying? You're able to get the blueprints cause and you just build from there, you know what I'm saying? And that's where I've been building from. So. I agree with you. I love when we do. I'm sad Crazy Tunes isn't alive right now. We're going to a table of Crazy Tunes, you know what I'm saying? Just to get that whole complete project feel and learn all of the stuff he knows. But when you're younger, you don't even know who to appreciate for everything. Right. Right. That's that's real. That's real. Um, man. So, yeah, because, I, bro, I, yeah, I remember those early those early remixes. Those that, that was something, like, when I first got turned on to you, I, I remember that. I, I like the uh, the Asher Roth one way more than the Asher Roth. Like we were and we were in college, yeah. you know what I mean. But like when it's talking about rap, you yeah. know, we grow up on listening to gangster rap, yeah. and you got a popular song and someone puts that spin on it, and you're like, bro, this is just you know, this sounds right. I always gravitated to the West Coast. I used guy. to perform that. 
I was on tour with Tech Nine, and I would perform that. I probably performed that twenty straight shows. People used to love that, and I thought it was dope too. I used to like Asher off a lot though. So yeah, and you, I mean, and so, and that was like right around the time, like the, the you know, whatever the new West Coast, right? The the classification. I don't know if you guys kind of embodied that yourself, yeah. or that was just the label that magazines yeah. threw at y'all. Nah, nah, that was uh, our thing, and it. It really was just a new way we wanted to do things on the West where we worked with each other and helped each other. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was just, it was something we believed was necessary at the time. I mean, moving mm -hmm. forward now, looking at it, it's like, I think we just didn't know the right things to ask. And when you're young, you just, it's such a chip on your shoulder. But at that time, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think we knew the right things to ask. That's all. So. So who do you, because that New West Coast vibe, I mean, what I think of, I'm curious who you consider to be like in that core group, because I think of like you, Nip, probably J-Rock and like the early starts of TDE. I know he was kind of the front man for a second, but TDE in general, just because they they kind of quickly rode that train once he once he broke through a uh, problem. Is there anyone else that you kind of classify? I mean, I'm not trying to leave people out nah, or nah. be selective. But There's who? a ton of people. Gang, Scipio, um... Game CPO, uh, Kid Topic from West Covina, um, Bishop Lamont, obviously. I mean, mm. Mike Stroh, mm. obviously. Um, it was a bad luck. It was a few of us. You know what I'm saying? It was, we inspired a lot of the people. You know what I mean? At that time, man. There was a whole sound. There was a whole wave of a sound that was created, man. It was. It was a new West Coast bounce. But funny and it just bars over the bounce. I don't feel like we end up getting a sound as much as we got an energy that wasn't existing here. I yeah. feel like we got yeah, an energy true. that wasn't happening here. We created, mm -hmm. I don't think we could do anything with sound because, you know, you coming out of the era where Dr. Dre, Battle Cat, Warren G, DJ Cook, you know, Hudson, yeah, yeah. Slip, you know, DJ Unknown, you trying to, so sound-wise, I don't think it was even competitive, you know what I'm saying? Because they just was crazy. But I think energy it was a different energy that, that they never had for sure, you know what I mean? So I, I'm grateful that, you know, that we were able to, to bring something to add to the culture even at that time. My goal is just to keep adding more stuff to the culture, just keep putting more bricks into the foundation. You know what I mean? I feel like I got a few in there, but I could do a much better job. Yeah, and I, I, that was another another thing on the Breakfast Club interview you did where you're talking about the Tupac Must Die record and how you felt like that was one of you know your one of your first contributions to the Man, culture. Yeah, um, I feel like hip hop, right, is is a it does a great job at bringing information to the 99.8 percent of the world, or or you know that that isn't aware of such you know uh, cultural cultural arms, you know what I mean? And morality was a really important thing. You know, I thought morality was being lost about what it's like to come from this, the street life and this gangbang stuff. You know, it's a, it's a real confusion about the morality of it. And so to be able to teach that lesson, you know what I mean? And then, because one of the, you know, one of the greatest rappers of all time is a part of it, you know what I mean? Um, it made people have to hear the story. You know, even hurt, mm -hmm. you know, it hurt people's feelings, but the truth is like, you know, it's, it's not a, you know, it's uncomfortable. It makes you grow because then you have to start making decisions based off more information. And um, like my goal was never to get people to make information about Tupac, like his legacy is set in stone. He's lived 
every day to the fullest. But it's about things you're seeing currently, different rappers that's talking, there's friends that you got growing up that you see wanting to be a part. It's like, do they know, you know, moral wise, how this works? You know what I'm saying? And that was important. I thought, I've always thought that good West Coast hip hop, you know, from six in the morning, you know, to fuck the police, to, to, to Dre Day, you know what I mean? I think it really embodies this energy that, you know, too poor. That's this accurate thing that you didn't know was happening. You didn't realize within the culture they might have been calling a woman a bitch. You know what I mean? That's the language for women who ain't cool and we tripping and they say it freely. Or you didn't realize it was so many gangster stories happening for Ice T to tell you how it was going on. And in mm. NWA, these five, you know, dudes from Compton explaining to you they have a problem with the heroes of the world at that time. You know, people, everybody looked up to the police and they were the heroes and it's five brothers like, yeah, these dudes ain't no good. Like, they not right, mm. they harassing us, they mistreating us. And even in 1988, 87, when they put that out, it didn't really start making sense to other people outside of the culture until the Rodney King incident happened. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I liked, I liked, you know, <laughs> lis listening to that song and then listening to you on some other interviews, like break it down. Cause if I mean, it's not like I like hip hop, right? So it's not like I got up in arms, like fuck this yeah, dude, what the fuck yeah. he's speaking this blasphemy, but it's kind of, sh it's shocking, yeah. right? To just that, that angle of the record. But to hear you break it down, like humanizes someone that we put up on a pedestal, right? Cause like in, in 95, I was young. So pa I know Pac from posters sure. and shit. You yeah. know, I don't even know Pac from it's watching like, like looking at Jesus on the cross and somebody hollering. Right. It's serious. Right. And, and that bringing that, bringing that perspective that you did humanizes that person and just brings it into, uh, for me, you know, brings it to reality and makes it less about like what you're saying. I mean, literally he gets compared to Jesus Christ, like a, a martyr or whatever. And it's like, I mean, he's a human in a situation because of his other things, we hold him in such accolades and it doesn't ma make it right or yeah. wrong. It just, it, it humanizes the situation. And, that, and that's my goal. The point is, um, my goal was to never humanize Tupac. My goal was to humanize Orlando Anderson. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I felt like if somebody dies, you know they're human. You know what I'm saying? If you're aware of how they died mm. and when they died, right? Um, don't get me wrong, there's very much a deity energy to Tupac that's different. But I wanted to humanize the person involved, you know, allegedly, because I think most people don't, I think most people don't care. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you, you, you know, you have a world of people acting like they understand Crips of Bloods or representing these bandanas or act like they love people affiliated, but do you really get it? You know I mean, do you really understand right. what's going on? You know what I mean? So it was dope to bring a human element to somebody that is really respected where we from, you know what I'm saying? And not to keep painting him as some villain or some hater or some evil person versus these are the situations that happen where we from. And this is how they go bad. You know what I'm saying? This this is why they go bad. This is why these things happen. So, right. I mean, it's always a tough, you know, learning is tough. You know, like I said, growing is tough. It's, it's very uncomfortable. You know I mean, and, and good hip hop makes the majority of people that hear it uncomfortable. It should, you know, it, it should, it should bring, it should bring comfort to the uncomfortable. And then, you know, bring uncomfort to the comfortable. Mm. I mean, it should, it should literally 
people who doing good should be frightened. People who get it should feel like, damn, relieved. Like somebody's expressing how it really go down. That's the goal. Yeah. No matter how abrasive it may be, there's just there's a connection. It could be good or bad or for worse, but great, great music, good hip hop, whatever we want to call it. Good music in general has that ability to connect, whether it's to a heartbeat, to a bounce, to a head bob, to to a straight on you mouth in the words, along to a song raging at a yeah. festival, right? Morality, morality is such a huge and really unspoken part of culture. And we may look at something like this right here, but then over there, they're doing something completely different. And like, it's easy to judge that over there based off of your eyes. But if you don't know, hip hop always gave other people a chance to live from their eyes. You know what I mean? From, from the perspective of that you may didn't understand. You're like, oh, I, that was my goal. Like, I wanted you to look at that video. And that's why the video was shot in first person. I wanted you to be the person. Like, how would you feel if these things happened to you? I mean, how would you feel if you're going to watch a fight or you got into a fight with some rival guys and, you know, you, you're protecting a friend and everything happens and you go to the casino to watch a fight. You go to the Vegas and then somebody comes and jump on you. You know, that was the goal. Good hip hop, you know, puts you in that vein of, of that person and that culture that you wouldn't necessarily have access to. If you're from, you know, Anaheim Hills in Orange County, you feel me? Maybe you don't have access to life in Watson Compton. So, you know, if you can look at it on the news and be like, these people are horrible. But if you have insight in somebody else who can explain it to you and you have a, a true, clear path to it, you know what I'm saying? It's no, it's nobody would buy it. You know, I'm telling you exactly how it goes from the way they see it. You know, it gets, it builds on understanding. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I think uh, one of the things that was really powerful for me is, is a conversation we've been having like, you know, last year with just, you know, racial tensions, the movement that's going on up here. You know, I'm, I'm in Seattle, very, very proactive on that front. But we're also still very, very uh, Caucasian by just demographic mm -hmm. makeup, you know. And I think I think a lot of people have used this to like propel certain elements of black culture forward. Meanwhile, like the media and marketing and products are marketing what's cool and what's trendy. But I think we skip past, like, and I think kind of what you were talking about um, in another interview was just kind of the causation, uh, the cause and the effect of like poverty and, and systemic racism, like what has happened to the black community. And we highlight elements and elevate things without addressing the causation, the effects of these causes. And I think that's kind of what you were touching on a little bit. That's in the a really important thing, mistaken. you know, what, what, what poverty creates, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, systemic oppression and, you know, you could, you could talk about race, you know, these conversations are going on and on, but human beings are going to be human beings. It's just what they do. The, and the only systemic oppression worth even, you know, engaging or entertaining is the economic part of it. That's the only problem. Mm. I don't care if somebody doesn't like me. Now, that's not important. Who likes you? It's, it's somebody can stop you from making a way for your family. When somebody can stop you from, mm. you know, creating a livelihood for yourself. That is the problem. Somebody liking you, somebody not wanting to eat with you, somebody not wanting to do things with you is not as important. It's really when somebody's stopping you from advancing your own cause when it comes to caring for your family, that's the only thing worth talking about. And when you don't have it, you know, poor white people and poor black people doing the same thing in this country. 
It ain't no different. Mm. You know what I mean, it's poor people doing the same thing. So I, I don't really try to focus so much on the, you know, the racial part of it because the racial part only is a conversation when it comes to economics. Outside of that, it's way too many people worried if other people like them. That's just, I can't get down with that. I don't need people to like me. I just need you to not get in my fucking way when I'm trying to care for my family. Let, let, me, let me do me. Say less on that. Um, man, switch it, switching gears from that record a little bit with with all the records that you've done. You know, we talked about this a second ago. All the records you've done, the resume of people you work with. Who are some of your favorite artists that you've collaborated with throughout your career? So, I'll be alive. I don't put Akon in the top three. Um, Rafael Sadiq is in the top three. And Ty Dolla. So it's it's going to be singers. So it's going to be Akon, <laughs> Rafael Sadiq, and Ty Dolla Sign. You could one to it. Probably Ty is number one. He always challenges me. You know what I'm saying? He, every time I leave the studio with him, I leave better. Every time I listen to his records, I get better as a, as a record maker. Um, literally, he's just an amazing talent. You know what I'm saying? He's just brilliant. He's just genius at times. Um, but those three guys are the king of it for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they made me feel real comfortable. You know, that it was such a music kind of collab that it was dope. It, 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 the way it felt, how easy it was, how refreshing it was, it was dope. I can see that. Ty, Ty, Ty is on everything, man. That dude's a part of so many records. It's, it's, uh, it's insane from writing, production, performing, all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ty is good. Uh, a monster, man. Um, it's like Rick James or something. For, for rap, <laughs> for, for rappers though, strict, strictly on the bars. What what are some of the favorite rappers you you you've shared verses with? Well, you know what? I'll tell you, rappers who I think like serve me on songs. I don't. I don't really <laughs> think I get served on music a lot. You know what I mean? I, I know exactly. I would agree. I, I know agree. exactly my style, so I know exactly how to do what I do really good. So it's tough for somebody, even though you could do what you do better, it may not be like I'm still gonna do what I do so well. But the three rappers who I felt like I got on a song with, and they literally just like I wish I would have just did another verse. And <laughs> obviously, uh Lil Wayne and Haters. Yeah, like, he literally just rapped like 24 bars or something. Um, that was crazy. You know, that was our introduction to doing music. He just, you know, pretty much embarrassed me in my mind. Um, B.O.B. I had a song called Knock It Out that came out in 2016. And B.O.B. had this, you know, most people think he's just this pop rapper. Like, no, B.O.B. is a real MC. And we have a song called Knock It Out. And it's just really this fun record that's dope. I mean, you hear it, it's dope, it's fun. It makes sense. It's a good time. Knock it out. And his verse to me is just so fucking killer. And it was like nothing. And that was one of the few times I was like, Jesus Christ, man, like that good. You yeah. feel me? I need to be that. It's that easy. It's that, that easy for so he could do these super pop records with Skylar Gray and turn around and do this. No, that's that's Bob, that's B.O.B., man. B.O.B. is so underrated and so nasty. Um in the third, you got an extensive catalog. Yeah, the third time I felt like I got served. Who, who did I feel was just really special? Somebody I thought about, and I just I got fast. I'm not thinking about who they were. Um, 
Who was the third person? I just was talking about this. Um, Lupe. Lupe oh. was another one that I just sometimes be like, fuck. You know what I mean? We did a song and I just thought it was so yes. dope. You know what I mean? So I got him on the song though. That's a song we did called uh, Choppers. And it's about 10 people on the song. And I know Yep, yep, yep. I ate his food on that song. You know what I'm saying? That's that, that's one of those Tech Nine ones, right? Well, no, so my Midwest Choppers, the style of it, no, so it's a Lupe right. Fiasco song called Choppers. You check it out, it's like 10 people yeah, on okay. For that's sure, I brought it to Lupe on that song. So I, I think I didn't hold it as bad when he did it to a song because the other song didn't come out. But I knew, okay. know, but this one I got out and I know for sure, like, you know, he had to listen, like, okay, glasses still, you know, he could do some stuff. Mm. Yeah, he get he gets he, he gets uh, Lupe gets tossed in that contention as one of the one of the greater lyricists mm-hmm. in the game, man. So very often, ain't no. And then when you when you do you know collaboration records you know even pre COVID are you more like working the studio with people or are you more send tracks back and forth? It depends. Like with Ty, I go to the studio. Um, with Kendrick, it's more send tracks. I, I usually mm-hmm. don't like them when they come back, but um, I like to be in the studio with Gang because the energy changes. Snoop saying Snoop is pretty consistent. You know what I'm saying? He gonna you already know what Snoop is gonna do. Um, it depends on the artist. Some mm-hmm. artists, you know, you don't want to be in their way. You just want to let them do what they do. And some you kind of need to be right there so they can feel the vibe of what you want. Mm. Ty is my favorite person to be in the studio with because watching him do it is just crazy at times. Just joke. Really, the joke was the best. Like being in the studio with everybody from TDE, you know, for years is just jokes. You know, the conversations is one thing, they cool, but the jokes are like top tier. Like sometimes <laughs> I, just I, I just don't feel fair that y'all don't get to know the version of you know K Dot of Kendrick that I know. Like, you know, how funny he is. That nigga is hilarious. You feel me? So I wish people could see that more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think is he. He like low low key funny, like little jabs that don't really come across as funny, or he just that nigga's falling on the floor funny. And it's like because you <laughs> see him, he's so serious, and you know, all his song topics, he seems so serious, but in real life, he's a fucking clown. And I don't mean like a clown's like talking <laughs> shit, I mean like a real fucking clown, like he is the center of attention. He's fucking funny as shit. You know what I mean? And you know, being on tour and, and tons of studio with him, you know, it's 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 awesome. Man, you Q soul, <laughs> feel me, right? All them dudes is shit. They all funny. Even Punch, you know, and all them motherfuckers is funny. Yeah. So, you know, the the West Coast has a unique thing, you know, the different, you know, South, East, West. We don't really, you know, up here in the Pacific Northwest, we don't really got shit on the map uh, 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 in terms of historic well, hip hop. Yeah, we can't do this a lot like that. 
Well, no, I'm, I'm not. I was gonna say besides a few people, we got mixed, you know, and then you know we have Macklemore mm -hmm. people got their opinions or whatever. But you know, that's about the extent of what we got going on. But the West Coast seems like one of those areas where like the torch gets passed often, and it gets and like there's a collaboration and a brotherhood across artists, you know, from the outside looking in. Would you say that that's that there's some truth to that? That just kind of the scene out there is is a, a some form of like a brotherhood of people working together and elevating each other, or is it not? Is there a lot of friction? I mean, I'm sure there's friction as well. Nine out of ten people swear to God the West Coast don't work with each other. And that's the common yeah. theme. But we, you know, I consider Washington a part of the West. I consider Arizona a part of the West. Whatever the Cowboys thought sure. of the West, I think of the West the same thing. You feel me back in the day? But I think, I think, um, so the West gets a bad rap that they don't work with each other. But I just genuinely think people don't know how to work with each other over here. Mm. You know, um, you got to know what to ask people. You know what I'm saying? And that's the hardest part, knowing what to ask people. What are you asking for? You can't ask people for everything. I mean, but you got to know where everybody's special at. Like, I know exactly what to call Battle Cat Nash for. I know what to call Dr. Dre and ask for. At first, I had no idea, so I just expected them to help me. I know exactly what to ask Snoop about. I know exactly what to ask Cube about or Mac about, Mac 10 about. Or, you know, I, I was on the phone with Hitman the other day for like two hours, and I knew the right conversations to have with him. You know what I mean? And I didn't know that at first. So I think when you're a fresh artist, you don't quite know what to talk to people about. But I think as you, you're around more, you, you figure it out. you like, oh, okay, I get it. I know what I'm doing. So it's deceptively like we don't fuck with each other, but the truth is most people will do anything for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, and that makes sense, right? Like coming up in any industry or field, when you're young, you've got the chip on the shoulder. You know, you look at the people up on the pedestal or the gatekeepers and, and you, uh, you know, you might – there might be a sense of entitlement or, or just thinking that things should come to you. And, and it seems so distant, but as you grow and mature, um, working with one another, what, 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 what part of your growth kind of helped you, uh, identify how to work with these people and how to ask these things? Were there people that kind of gifted that game to you or did you just no, kind of figure it no, out? I just own? start doing a lot of homework. Once you, cause right now, like they say, it's all smoke and mirrors. So the information mm -hmm. clears the smoke. You know, mm -hmm. the, the information clears the smoke and breaks the mirror. Now you can see and you know who's who. You know exactly who's who. There's no more smoke screen. So when you go to talk to somebody, it, it's almost like it's a sigh, it's a smile, it's a thing of relief. They know like, damn, you know, he knows exactly who I am now. Mm -hmm. He knows exactly mm -hmm. who I am. So mm -hmm. there's no more questions. You know what I mean? So it's your job to do it's your job to do the homework. It's your job to get the information, to clear the smoke and break all the mirrors so now you can see exactly what you're looking at. That makes, yeah, that makes sense. And then also, you know, another another question I have for you is coming coming through the, the, the industry of, and seeing how you spoke and listened to your music, it seems like it's, it's authentic, right? And I think that's something that you probably describe yourself as, is, is authentic, where, music is entertain. you know, the game, music, the game itself is entertainment. So how, how has it been 
you know, navigating the space of so much, Horrible. you know, I know we you smoke, smoking another and another smoking mirrors, another metaphor, but the smoke, the mirrors, the, the mask, the facades, how has horrible. it been navigating horrible. that? It's a horrible <laughs> thing, man, to be in the business. You in the business of bullshit and you like trying to be authentic. You trying to be for real. You know what I'm saying? It don't, it don't work together. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it, it makes my journey take so much longer. You know what I mean? Like, mm. People don't want to do business with people that's real niggas. They don't want to, you know, in that concept of that, like, you know, they don't want to do that. So it forced me to have to learn what everybody does and, and respect it. And, and now I have to know so much just to give myself a chance to get where I really want to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, mm. it's tough. It's tough being authentic in this business. You know what I mean? Me and Nip used to always talk about that. And, and it that's why people, you know, we get caught up in our own situations yeah. of creating what we need to create for ourselves because we know other people don't understand it and they not going to understand it. So once you know that, you just start garnering information to prepare you for the journey, you know, the place you're trying to walk. Hmm. Hmm. And, and so, you know, speaking of Nip, that's, that's someone I know that, that, that you know, um, how special was his rise, like locally, and then obviously being able to take that from LA and sharing it across the globe? And and how special was it, kind of watching that? Because it's very rare you see someone that's that authentic and take the long, like take the long road by choice. You know that doesn't really happen very often in music. Sure. Um, so in LA, it was kind of hard to tell because it kind of happened faster, so you kind of didn't see it. I mean, one day I went from just me and the homies playing this shit to like women playing this shit. That's where it changes. And I remember asking him like, yo, why is girl playing your shit? He's like, man, she really, G, all you got to do is talk to them some. But I think watching it for everybody else was dope. At times it's annoying now because it's like people just going over the top. You, know, you can tell that they didn't fuck with mm -hmm. because at first. And you can see they just crazy. They got tech. You know, it's crazy. You know, they it all in the captions and shit, but as much as it annoys me because I wish he would have saw that love, you know, he knew what was going to happen. You know what I mean, he knew that love was coming. So he just didn't get to see it with his own eyes, but I'm sure he felt it inside his heart even before it happened. He knew it was coming. So it's dope to watch it happen. Um, the most important thing when it comes to, to NH's rise to me is when we first met back in 2007, and, uh, or maybe five, but when we first talked in 2007, and he was telling me he was going to buy the shopping center. He was, he was out there with his homies and he was chopping it up. I was in the building and we chopping. He's like, man, I'm going to buy the shopping center one day. When he finally got that shopping center, I think it was 2017 and 18, like, that was special. That was something that, mm. you know, we don't really see, you know, especially that's a, that's a, that's a couple million dollar, you know, couple million dollar property, you know, multi-million dollar property. So right. That's the most important thing. That's the nearest and dearest thing to my heart. Right, right. No, that's, yeah, that's the... Yeah. And watch it happen, you know what I mean? Like, it was amazing. Yeah. That, that, that's a special, that's a special you know, that, part to be a part of it that. Made, it really make you believe that. That was real special. That's I can't even begin to speak on how special it was. Yeah, because I mean that's got it. That's got to provide you know validation, right? That it can be done outside of the system, you know, outside of the 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 record system, 
you know, on your own terms, staying true to yourself, you know, because we don't we don't see a lot of people take it and take it. Obviously, you know, the death magnifies it in pop culture to a, a whole nother level. But even before that, the level that he was able to reach on his own. You know what I'm saying? That's unbelievable. Yeah. And watching him that day, you know, the, the nigga that I ran into, we was popping a nigga had some booby shorts on. It's, it's a low top chucks and a fucking slingshot. You know what I mean? Hair frizzy, you know, and braids. Yeah, I'm a body. So he bought it. That's just fire. Shit. Ah, good, man. That, that man had it his way. You feel me? It, and as sick as I, I am about him not really getting to enjoy the fame of it all, you know, I'm sure in his heart he already lived it. Hmm. So where where do you see where do you see the West Coast right now? You know the 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 new the new West Coast. You know what if just almost a decade ago now the rise of that and that lasted. It wasn't like it was just a flash in the pan. And we still see the careers like your career, Nipsey's career, certain you know K Dot's careers obviously skyrocketed from there. Where do you kind of see the West Coast right now in terms of identity, um, where it's at locally in terms of how you guys interact with one another? And, and where do you think the trajectory is about to go for this next, you know, going into this next decade? Um, I think locally is great. Locally, there's a ton of artists. People celebrate, you know, around the world. I think nationally, it's a problem. I think nationally, it's a bit fragmented. It's a bit confusing. Um and that's the most important part. You know what I mean? Like everybody that's rapping that's that's part of my generation of younger should all be looking to turn the West Coast into what it was, you know, when Snoop and and, and all of them had the, the range. And I mean, we would want to turn it into that. And we want that reign where, you know, uh there's a wave of music where we reshaping the, the rest of the country, the rest of the world. Um where are we going and how do I see it? It depends on a couple careers, you know. It depends on. It depends on Ty Dolla Sign's career. Um, you know, Ty Dolla Sign as a producer, not as an artist. Ty Dolla Sign as an artist. Mm. Um, I'm excuse me, as a producer. It depends on Blast. You know, it's a, it's a dude coming up, BLXST Blast as a producer. Mm. Yeah, it depends on those guys. As you know what I mean? As the producers figure it out, he, he's killing. You know what I mean? Then to add that to Mustard, to way. add to Hit Boy, you know, we need another, we need Ty Dolla Sign beats for more artists. We need um, Blast beats to break more artists. You know, Mustard is, is is handling the lion's share of it all. Mustard was breaking so much shit. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It's especially mm. to watch him work, but we need Hit Boy to break more shit. You know, he's working on it. Uh, we need Blast to break more shit than just Blast. You know, we're going to need Ty Dolla Sign to break more than just him and YG. We need him to break more artists nationally. So I think that becomes the really important thing. And then, you know, bring the next group of producers to, to create sounds and records to break more artists, because that's the key. Mm hmm mm hmm And then for yourself, what what's next? You know, I don't want the, the, the album... On its way? Yeah, yeah. Um, look like August 20th, the first one. Okay. Um, man, I, I really have about three albums dropping this year, so I'm just focused on um, doing the right thing with every one of them. And this, the the next the next one up, was what's the, you've been public with the, with the title nah, and everything? Nah, but it, it's, it's really special. 
Um, it's all in the same vein of taking it back to the essence. You know what I mean? Of the beginning yeah. of music and embracing, you know, the past of where I came from, the dirt where I came from. So that's my goal to just keep doing that, getting back to the beginning of it all, not worrying about what's happening today, just getting back to the beginning of it and bringing that forward. Once I bring that forward, I'll be in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And so with, with these next three albums, are you, is the focus going to be kind of, I mean, you don't have to share too much if you don't want to, but is the focus going to be with all three kind of staying back where you have, or is it going to be starting in the back and then the process of bringing it forward through these, this little trilogy? Some is different. Like, you know, on this project, right, it's IT, right? It's Coolio, Snoop Dogg, it's Eastside, it's Corrupt, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's uh, mm. E-40 and Shorts, so, right? It's that. But on the next one, you know, it's The Whispers. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 mm. the R&B group, The Whispers, you know, um, it's uh, Patrice Russian, you know, the singer of Forget Me Nots. Um, it's, 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 you know, just bringing it. I'm, I'm working on an idea with Frank Beverly, mm. just trying to bring culture, drag it forward, you know, put it on my shoulders and just drag it forward, you know, bring it here, bring it <laughs> You know, bring those people right here today to 2022. Bring them. I'm dragging them off my shoulder with a rope. We got a big summer and fall. Ahead yeah, man. I mean, really for the next 36 months. You know what I mean? My goal is for the next 36 months. I, I haven't put out a lot of music, you know, um, over the last five years, just learning. You know, and three years before that, just learning. So now I got to catch up. You know, I got to deliver music because people been – you know, I got to bring it all up. You know, it's time to go to work. And that means dragging culture forward, you know, dragging it forward. I think because the West Coast, we haven't evolved culture wise. You know what I mean? I think we still pretty much are on the same type of time, you know what I mean, as far as the streets and how things work. So instead of trying to, you know, I, you can't force evolution of culture. Right. So what you do is mm. you combine it with the things that made it what it was. And I'm just going to drag that shit up for it. I'm going to drag that shit to today. Muscle it up. Let's get it. I appreciate uh, y'all, man. That's thing, yeah. this, this next wave is going to be crazy. Yeah, I'm so excited. excited for it all. And so at, at this point, man, being in the game, so have you been in the game, the industry, a little bit over a decade, mm -hmm. right? And so in that time, you've collaborated with some of just – the 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 biggest icons and not just you know West Coast. I know you mentioned like Coolio and stuff like that are coming out like in hip hop. How how has it been? I know you said it was taking a little bit of learning how to ask these people for the right things, but how have you been able to collaborate with such a wide array of artists? Because you got again, you got I don't know if there's who keeps track of stats like they do in basketball and all that shit, but you've got to have like one of the most. You know, when you look at icons, like you got a lot, you got a lot in the bag, man. How is it? How has it been getting on, getting them on records? Nowhere near as hard as I thought it would be. Um, I think once people know you know who they are, again, once you you do enough, you know, you you got you garner enough information, you do the work, you know, all the smoke and mirrors clear. You know, smoke clears, the mirrors crack, and it's just people and people in you know talking. And once you know how to talk to people about what they into and who they are and you know how to respect them and you know what they contributed to the culture, you feel me? Then it's a different conversation. It's a completely different conversation. Mm. It's not hard. It's not like pulling teeth. The other day I reached out to MC Hammer 
Like, I want to do something with MC Hammer. It's really important to me to do something with MC Hammer. And he's like, man, gee, long as we got the right record. I said, I'll keep sending you records until we get the right record. I know it should sound like. Mm. And, and once you're in that space, I know who he is as a human being. I know what he's doing. So I know how to make the right idea. You know what I'm saying? And then I'll just get him on it and drag him forward, you know, to make sure our guys get love. You know, our culture gets love from where I grew up at and, and the people I grew up on. And even like, like I said, the Whispers, Patrice Rush, and the people who were doing it before mm. I was alive. Yeah, that's legendary. That's legendary. Uh, man, before before we get you get you up out of here and let you get on with your evening, man, is there anything else that you'd like to plug anywhere people can find you? I think you said the album coming August twentieth. August twentieth. Um, new record dropping. You know, um, June twenty fifth. Um, I'm Googleable. You know what I'm saying you can Google me, and I'm everywhere at once. You feel me? Like my presence is omnipotent at times. So it's all good. He said, find appreciate me on Google, man. I got all sorts you, of links. Man. Well, appreciate you. Appreciate you very much joining us today, man, sharing the insight, uh, some of your experiences in the game, man. Again, very, very thankful to have you on here. And like I said, it was it was hella funny having you as a guest because, like I said, when I we first started doing when parties, you said, man, I, like when I said, you said I, I love I dollars, I just was like, wow. I remember that. That was dope, man. <laughs> I told, I told, I'm, I'm telling you, I had, I had, I had, because we I had the CDJs, so I had, you know, the yeah. mixed CDs, and so I had when we did our events, I had like two CDs, so I probably had 35 songs of shit that I wanted that I didn't give a fuck who else wanted to listen. Uh, you all gonna listen to my shit if if I'm the one paying for the venue. You guys are waiting for the <laughs> entertainment. I'm just playing the shit I want to hear, and that was one of the joints yeah, on there. That's man. dope. No, that's dope to hear that. You know what I mean? To listen to. To listen to, to keep one thousand, I think most people knew that. But I love dollars. That was big. That was dope. So it's all love, brother. Yeah. Awesome glasses. Well, appreciate you very much, Thanks man. We'll let you get me, on the evening. Thank you, appreciate you so much. All right. No doubt. Later, y'all. All right, man. Glasses Malone. What a legend. Glasses Malone. Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny. Dude. I didn't even. I was preparing questions and like thinking about this, watching some media of him. And I don't even know. And I was thinking you would ask me like, bro, do you even listen to Glasses Malone? I was like, yeah. And you're like, what's your favorite song? And then it dawned on me. I was like, bro, my favorite songs are the shit from like 2012 when we first started playing. And I just, I, it all came wow. back to me, like kind of surreal to interview him now of thinking like literally the first shows, not the first shows I did, but the first shows that we threw as RMR. Yeah, I was spinning his music, and it was the unapologetic. This is what I want to listen to. I don't give a fuck. It's not yeah. like people didn't like it, but that was it. Man, the 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 music that he has created, the catalog that he has for the people that don't know who, or maybe they're just tuning in or watching this. But some of the people that Glasses Malone has worked with, for example, he mentioned Ty Dolla Sign, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick. We got uh, th this project here: Bob, Baby Bash, Kirko Banks, The Game. You've got Dom Kennedy. Uh, Tyga, uh, so many of artists that are still relevant and popping today and older generations or more old school as well. Continue going on. Keep, go keep going. Dude, Rick Ross, uh, Wayne, Rick Ross, Birdman, -Rock. Yep. Coolio, yep. Uh, Ice-T, Exhibit, Bow Wow. Exhibit. Yeah. It just, the list goes on. Glasses Malone. Appreciate, man, to, to be to bless the respect for someone that, again, when we were first starting, I'll say, 
that me as a DJ slapping those kinds of bop bangers, all the all the best features for the last like 10, 15 years. The so many of the biggest artists in the world, um, Mac Ten collabs, like it just like he said to extract this essence mm. of these different songs and time periods and this style and vibes and then to recreate and mold and just craft these these bangers in this er, this era that we're in in the last 10 years it's just so cool so wow i'm just blown away yeah and 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 i think you know we didn't we didn't go too much into the into the marketing of the game side which no, we he, always he, touch you know, on you know what you know, that game was that he majority said touch on you know whether we're talking that? about cannabis or music it, it was right, it was right there. He had some really really good snippets from that, and it, it comes. You have to garner. You have to you have to experience it. You have to live it. You have to garner. You have to garner that knowledge, right? And it just comes out to it. You really got to acquire. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's what I was gonna say. Like there was that we didn't directly ask those questions or us reaffirm it for the, for the viewers. But if people are listening or hearing. You should have got the game from there. But what stood out to me was what he said was, you know, learning to learning people like you were saying, learning people of who they really are and what makes them tick and how to ask them for things. And, and part of that, he didn't say it, but being able to ask for things, you know, because so often, especially in local scenes and especially in a scene like Seattle, where we don't really you know, we don't have infrastructure and we only have a couple people, you know, crawling their way out of here. We get this sense of just entitlement without consciously thinking it's entitlement and just thinking like, oh, we deserve things. Why is Macklemore not breaking street artists? Why is not this happening? Why is not this happening? But when it comes down to mm -hmm. the individual people, you got to kind of learn the politics and the ins and outs of and how the shit works, but you also got to yeah. understand people. You got to understand how people work. So what if, if you want Macklemore, then you got to A, figure out how to get a relationship with him, B, figure out how he works, C, figure out how you, what, how you can ask him for something. And then B, if what you want to ask for him, is he even the right person to ask for? Because if a street artist, I see a lot of people online saying, Macklemore, break a street artist. We've talked to other artists about this. That's not going to happen. Macklemore doesn't have a street audience. Well, who's he? Get? He's not going to break a street artist yeah. to a bunch of people that want to dance with Irish flags and shit. It's just not going to happen. You know, so a lot of people immediately want the wrong thing from that person. So even if you were to get close yeah. to him and ask him for it, he can't, he literally couldn't even deliver it to you if he wanted to. So the, the game, some of the game that, that I picked up from glasses is just understanding who people are, what they are, what to ask them for, how to ask them for it. Yeah, that absolutely. Is, that is a, absolutely. Is a couldn't million agree more. dollar There's skill so much set. Right I've been there. picked up from that. I hope everybody goes back, rewatch it, like, follow, subscribe. Leave some comments. Give us some feedback. Go Google Glasses Malone. Follow him on every single social media. I've got him here on Spotify. That's where I prefer to download and, and follow our music. And for our Spotify playlist, I'm going to add some Glasses Malone's that G-Mix to our playlist. You guys can go check that out. The low-key, I'll put actually on the Cali Fire playlist. So <clears throat> be sure to go uh, follow that. Man, super dope. Big shout out to Glasses Malone. Mitch. It was dope, bro. Appreciate, appreciate you being here tonight. No doubt. Our Thanks for teaming up, man. This is episode 13. We're about to get up out of here. I right, love you all. Peace.